Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We're going to start off with show notes today. We have our Evening with Medium events coming up on December 13th. It's our last one of the year. Tickets are on sale at the website, bysarlow.com. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. It is a short 10 to 12 minute show. There are five in a group running the first week of each month, Monday to Friday. We pick a theme so that you can grow your spiritual or emotional intelligence and Kelly and I try to give you the toolkit. Good. We have personal sessions available um, and gift certificates. You can purchase them or request them via the website or by calling us directly. You can experience those sessions from anywhere in the world via Skype, FaceTime, telephone, or Zoom. So you've been hearing that we are going to be launching onto Patreon soon, this coming month in September, and Kelly and I are excited to offer you different types of services that you will be able to access through Patreon. It is a website, so first of all, if you think, what the heck is it? It's a website. When you get to Patreon, you just simply search bysarlo.com, and you will find all the wonderful little goodies that Kelly and I are going to put up on the site for you. We'll also have a link that is provided on our own website as well. So if you're familiar with our site, you can just find the new link that will take you to Patreon. Um, It's a paid membership. It's a tiered system. So you can buy into whatever interests you and leave out whatever doesn't. And you can change that at any point in time. You're not committed to anything. Oh, I like that. Gives them freedom of choice. eh? Yeah. Yeah. And to access anything that they want. Very good. Good. Okay. So let's move on to today's show. Okay, Kel. So today's show is about a client who came in to see me and asked for anything open. And I said, fine. I asked the spirit guides what in God's name that meant. (laughs) Medium, medical intuitive, psychic, past lives, patterns, what's it going to mean? And I got a dog. (laughs) The best answer. (laughs) Like, how good is this? Yeah. So this dog just comes up to me and I thought, oh my God. I get to channel a dog? And he says, my name's Jake. And I'm like, this is going to be the best hour ever. <laughs> so I said, okay, I will ask her if this is what I'm supposed to do. So I turned to my client and I said, I have a dog na- named Jake. And I said, so is this how you want to spend your hour? And she said, absolutely, go for it. And I said, if you change your mind at any point, let me know. And she goes, no, I'd like to hear about Jake. So I said, Jake says that he was not your dog originally. Like he came to you via, like he shows me like Family Circus. You know that cartoon? No. Where they, oh, Family Circus. It was a cartoon, Kelly. That Way would, before my time. Yeah. But it would have like one panel, like one picture, I guess it's called a panel. And it would be like where somebody went in a, in, in a path. So you'd see their footprints and where they went to like, and stopped in all these different places. So it would be like telling a story in a picture. And it might show you like where it made a mess or where it broke a dish or where it mm-hmm. ate a cookie. And it would be like its story. Okay, so that's this is what I kind of see when Jake says, um, I want to show you something. And it's, it's his path. And I'm thinking, oh, so you, you weren't a puppy and didn't go to, I think her name was Christian. I said, so you didn't go to Christian directly as a puppy. You, you had a story to tell here. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I do. So I said, okay, I, I'd love to hear your story. And he says, well, my story started with when I was a puppy, I got bought by a couple to be given to the mom 
I think it was the woman's mother, because her husband passed away. Mm-hmm. And so the couple thought, the daughter and her husband thought, mom will need company. I guess the couple thought, mom will need company. She'll, she needs some someone around her now that dad's gone. She's going to be lonely. So they bought this dog. Oh, I should say what kind of a dog it is, eh? Is that important? Sure. Okay, well, here's my best way to say what kind of dog it is. It's medium-sized, and it was brown and white. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Breeds that well. But I would imagine long-haired, I guess I could say things like that, and people might go, well, for the love of Pete. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, I know it wasn't a German Shepherd or a Labradoodle, because I know those breeds. It's not too helpful, I realize, no. but... So anyway, um, he said, here's what happened. And I said, so are you going to tell me the story, Jake? And I get to explain it to her? And he goes, yes, please. But that's it. So I'm not asking why or anything. I'm just being told that this is how the session's going to go. So I said, well, I said, Jake starts off with this couple and is given to the mom. And he lives with them. And when he's with her, this is the story. When he's there... He comes to be her company, and then she realizes, well, shit, I should be walking a dog every day. Because, you know, he's running around making messes, and and she thinks, oh, geez. She doesn't want to because there's some depression when her husband leaves. So she thinks, well, fine, I'll get up in the morning and I'll walk him. So instead of staying in bed longer, Mm -hmm. she gets up, and now he gets up. So he gets her up every morning. He barks at the door like... Well, I'm not going to bark because it would be a terrible sound. But he barks so that she has to get up every morning. So he's her alarm clock. And then she gets up and she gets dressed and out the door they go. No matter what the weather, she just figures it out. So now she has to go out and buy a raincoat and then she's got to buy boots. And then she's got to buy proper winter gear. Mm -hmm. So she ends up buying the right things for each season. And then she goes to the dog store more often, because might need some treats. And then she realizes he might need a coat. So she goes to this one store in particular, and she gets to know these people at the store. So they ask her one day what her name is. And she says, well, where's your dog? She says, I didn't know I was allowed to bring it in. Well, of course you can. So she thinks, well, I guess maybe I could put the dog in the car. So she puts the dog in the car for the first time. And then she gets there. And she says, so I brought my dog. Well, do you have a mat? Do you have a bed? Do you have things for the dog? Where's his leash? So she just pauses. Yeah, I guess, eh? So she has to start thinking outside of her grief. Little by little... She develops this relationship with the store people. Mm-hmm. I'll say store people because not just the owners, but all of the staff and then eventually some of the people that come in. And her dog starts to go in the car with her. And so now she's walking the dog. And as she's walking the dog, the people in the neighborhood, hi. Mm-hmm. And they start talking, oh, and then they run into an over period of months. She gets to see the same people on her route. And in the morning, they she all of a sudden realizes every time I go by this house... These people are coming out of the house to walk their dog. Good morning. So she starts to say hi to them. Do you have a dog bag? I forgot mine. Sure. And so they go in and give her a bag. We see you walking every morning. What's your dog's name? Jake. 
What's your dog's name? And so she starts developing these relationships in her neighborhood. And then she thinks, hmm, maybe I'm going to make myself, you know, maybe I'm going to make a pie. So she makes herself a pie. She cuts a piece of it, and then she thinks, well, maybe the neighbors, maybe those people over there would like the pie. I don't really know them, but I know the dog. So she takes a dog treat, and she takes the pie. (laughs) And she takes her dog, and she goes over to the neighbors, knocks on the door, and hands them the treat for the dog and the pie. Mm -hmm. And so this story builds and builds and builds, Callie, so that now she figures, hmm, Maybe I'll volunteer to take another dog for a walk and I'll mention it at the dog store. So she puts her name on a little board. I will walk a dog. Only small dogs. I'm not strong. I thought that was so cute. So then she finds out another person and she starts to walk two small little dogs. And she thinks that's good. I'm happy with two little dogs no more. So, and she doesn't want to walk it every day either. So she sets her boundaries. So now she's starting to learn about what she needs. And she's starting to learn about where she's setting boundaries. So the people at the store start to ask her things like, a bigger dog? No. What if it's well-behaved? I could try it. So then she starts to extend herself a little bit. And all through this process, the little dog that she's walking, Jake, makes sure that those dogs behave. No matter what their size, no matter what they're doing, he just makes sure they walk properly. So if they're kind of veering off and it's going to pull on her shoulder, he pulls them back in a little bit. He does little things in his own little way to make the dogs walk properly. Mm -hmm. So he's teaching the other dogs dog etiquette in walking. Isn't that cute? Mm -hmm. Then she passes away. And when she's passing away, he's put on top of her. He's put right here so that he can lay right down her chest He's put right here, right down her chest, so that she feels safe as she's crossing. And as her breathing gets harder, he goes and moves to the side, but stays on the bed beside her, making sure that he's touching her, so that she feels safe through the entire crossing process till she sees her husband on the other side. And it's like, honey, I'm here, and she can cross So she does her crossing with Jake. And then Jake is picked up by her daughter and son and is given to a young woman who's going to university. It's just a family friend that they know, but she has anxiety. And so they say to her, well, we need to place a dog, and he's really well-mannered, and you're going into an apartment instead of a residence. Would you like him? And he won't be any bother. But he does like to be walked. So she says, well, I don't really get out much because I'm afraid to go out. And they said, well, this could be a problem. He will have to be walked. And she says, well, could I give it a try? And they said, well, sure. But if it doesn't work, you have to tell us because we don't want Jake to not be walked. If you're not going to do it, we'll make arrangements. We'll even hire a dog walker and we'll pay. So she says, okay. She says, if I know that I have an out and that someone else could help me, then I don't feel so stressed by that I have no choice. I'll try it. So Jake moves in with this young lady, May. Her name is May. So he moves in with her, goes to a new city, and now he's not far from a campus, so there's lots of young people around, and there aren't so many other dogs around 
but there are more young people that are all freaking stressed. So he takes it upon himself just to be with the humans, just to be with the people this time. And if it's just to sit beside them, sometimes it's to walk beside them, sometimes it's to stop and he just waits while they pet him. And he says to me, nothing big. He says, my purpose was small. And he says, but if I count them all up, there were many. And he says, so I don't know sometimes if what really matters is that it's a big purpose or a small purpose, if it's a few or if it's a lot of people. And he says, but I really learned a lot about my purpose. So he changed it again. And this time Jake moves along and just figures it out with each of the students what they need. Because he says some of them are pretty busy. He says some of them have such scattered attention, Karen, that it was all I could do to hold their focus on me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. He says, so they threw the ball with me. I ran, I chased a Frisbee. He said, and I learned all kinds of new skills. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I said, oh, your skills were catching a Frisbee, catching a ball. And he goes, yeah. And he says, and tell Tell this lady that May ran me. Like, we started walking first. I said, oh, you mean May got out of the apartment other than to go to school? And he goes, yeah. He said, just on the way to school and back, so many people would stop her to pet me that she she just stood there and eventually start to talk to some of them. And he said, or they would just do the talking, but she enjoyed the listening part and realized, I don't have anxiety if I just can listen. I don't have to have responses. I don't have to know anything. Nobody's going to hurt me. I I can just stand here. This is okay. This is fun. So she took him to poetry readings. (laughs) She took him to book clubs. She took him for hikes. And then she learned to run. So he went on runs. She became, I don't know what you call that, marathon? Mm-hmm. like half marathons and stuff. He goes, so I became really good running. I became a really athletic dog, which was so different from walking with the older woman, his first owner, where everything was slow and keeping a dog in line. So he had to really focus on keeping people or the dogs in line. Now he doesn't have to. He gets to just run. And she's, she can t- leave him off leash. So at first he stays right beside her. And then when she gets comfortable, he runs ahead and comes back a little bit. She has a little anxiety over that. And then she realizes what he's doing. So it's like, oh, now that I know what he's doing, I'm okay. And then she starts to realize, huh, if I know what's going to happen, I don't have as much anxiety. So this is about my control, my need to know. So he helped her figure out what one of her anxiety hotspots was. And he said, I thought that was kind of a big deal. That that was kind of a bigger purpose. I said, Jake, you figured out the big and small in many ways. And he said, oh, over and over again, Karen. And I said, okay, so I keep telling my client these things. And she's listening. She's just, she's giving nods and affirmations and she's crying at some points. But through most of this, she's writing notes, like diligently. And she has a voice recorder going. 
So sometimes I pause so that she can catch up with the writing. And then I said, well, I said, with May, she ends up meeting different men. And she ends up dating some of these men. And he tells me that when one of these men is not going to be good to her, he pisses on his clothes. Or he'll shit in his shoes. (laughs) Don't you wish? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I just died laughing. And then I'm, I explain why I'm laughing to her, and she's writing all of this down. So he says, a new kind of purpose. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And he says, just watching out for her best interests, mm-hmm. because she was very isolated. There weren't a lot of friends, and I don't mean that she couldn't have them. She isolated herself. So he wore many hats as a dog. This was therapist. <laughs> this was best friend. This is older sister or older brother like or parent. Mm-hmm. He he has so many different hats. And I again Kelly, I just thought as he's saying it and how, how he sees it is so lovely as as her protector or or whatever. So then for some reason that he does not explain to me, he says that he has to go to the humane society. And stay there. And I don't know the reason here. And she, if I remember it correctly, she doesn't ask me. But he moves on to say, and then I lived in the Humane Society. And I expected this to be a big downer. I expected to feel super sad, me, mm-hmm. in my heart. And Remarkably, when I pick up Jake's energy, I don't in the least. He doesn't skip a beat. So I'm a little bit surprised because my emotions are ready to veer, mm-hmm. <laughs> catapult, and his just continue on the very same path without missing anything. And he just says, so I went to the Humane Society, and I'm like, okay. And he goes, and so I continue to find purpose. I'm like, What? And he says, so I went there because there was a lot of anxiety amongst the pets, the other, the other dogs. And he said, the way this humane society was run, smaller dogs, medium-sized, and larger dogs, they weren't all mixed. And he said, even in playtime, we were not mixed. So I was very much in my own group of size. And he said it was a, a large place, so they even tried to put us in groups in the sense of, if it were harder harder to deal with dogs, they wouldn't put them in with a bigger group. So he said, I was just put in with a bigger group where there were mostly nice dogs. And he said, and I really enjoyed that. And I made friends. And I'm like, what? And he goes, I made friends. <laughs> and I said, meaning purpose again? And he goes, yeah, one of my purposes was friendship. And he said, not with the humans, not with the dogs I was walking because I was just training them, but he said I actually my purpose was actual friendship. Mm-hmm. I had never seen friendship like that before or worded that way. Mm-hmm. That it was purpose, Kelly. And and he just caught me. So I'm I'm explaining this to her, and she's just writing this down. And he said, so I was to be a true friend to some of these dogs who had never had another dog in their life or didn't know what friendship was, where, you know, if that's your 
your area to pee, then I can pee over here. Or if I'm supposed to pee after you because you're the senior dog, then then you pee first and I'll pee second. I don't know the hierarchy here, but anyway, he said there are these protocols and that it was his responsibility to teach some, but it was also on him to learn some. So he said, here I had purpose to learn. I thought that was amazing. And he said, and I did so well at it that the people at the Humane Society would take me out and bring me to a dog that was just coming in. And he would take his energy and he would teach the, do- the other dog to change their energy to match his. But he had to do it in subtle ways, right? So he had to figure out how to do that. Whether you give them a look or you give them your ass or you give them, I don't understand all the things dogs do, but mm-hmm. there were certain signs that you have to give. And the people at the Humane Society understood that he knew and what he was doing. So he was used, he had purpose again, to help the new dogs come in and behave. And when they realized how well he could do it, they actually got him to work with some of the more difficult dogs that just were not finding homes. And he was able to change their behaviors so that they could find homes. Amazing. He had so many purposes. Mm-hmm. And so, and he goes, I know. Like, he was so patient with me. Like, I, I know I had so many purposes. I know. Like, calm down, Karen. <laughs> Even the way that he spoke to me was like, listen, pup. <laughs> You're going to match my energy. <laughs> yes. Chill the fuck out. All through the session, because I noticed my own emotions would want to go, would want to change as Karen, and he would just stay like, mm, "You be Karen, but I'll just be Jake, and we'll see who wins." <laughs> well, I'm sure learning that Jake won mm-hmm. in all of these relationships. So then he stayed there for a while, and um, he said, "I did such a good job at doing this." that someone from a veterinary clinic heard about him. And they went over and approached the Humane Society and said, is he still um, to be placed? And they kind of went, we need him. <laughs> yeah, I guess ultimately that, mm-hmm. is the, that is our purpose. So yeah. And they said, well, good. We're taking him. And... The owner of the veterinary center um, said, we're taking him to be the vet dog. You've trained him. He's perfect. And so they kind of had a meeting about this at the Humane Society and said, well, do we really want that? Is that really being placed? Or is it being placed that he has family? Meaning a mom and a dad or a person in a home. But I'll basically say a home versus a clinic. Is that good? Yeah, Parker just showed up. <laughs> I don't think they, well, he, they can see him in here. That's really cute. <laughs> it's like he's here for the story. Like, I like Jake too. Oh my goodness. Go on. Okay. So they had a meeting and what came to them was that this was his purpose and that, and someone worded it that way and it shifted everyone's attitude. They thought that the veterinary clinic and the vet were going to use him and work him like I was going to say work him like a dog, but that they didn't want him worked to death, so to speak. Mm -hmm. 
but that would he actually be loved, cared for? Would this really be family? As they sat there and one of the workers said, hold up, Jake has purpose. If we keep him here, we're basically doing the same thing. So how is it any different? He may not get placed. He may not. Mm -hmm. And honestly, guys, doesn't he just go missing on days when people show up? Don't we just all take him home or don't we take him for a walk? Don't we keep him busy so we can kind of keep him? And the staff came to the conclusion eventually that this might be a good thing for him, that he might continue to find purpose here and that they couldn't, they couldn't control it. So Jake went off on a new adventure, and he went to this vet clinic for several years where he had tons of purposes, including helping dogs cross over. <laughs> he went home with the family. He went home with, uh, pardon me, Kelly. He went home with the veterinary clinic family. Mm -hmm. So the staff would take him for a weekend. So he did not stay at the clinic unless there were animals for him to be there to keep company. And if it seemed that an animal um, didn't want him to be there, then the staff would take him anyway. So he got to go home into all these different families. He got to be part of all these different lives. And he got to stay at the clinic to actually help families who were grieving, or pets, cats, dogs that came in that were nervous, he would just sit around. He would just give them, as he would say, he would just give them his energy. And if they wanted it, they could calm down. If not, he wasn't concerned about it. Isn't that lovely? Mm-hmm. Like, I, could just, I just want to sit and soak that up, that somebody could see that your own energy is that powerful, that healing, that transformative. That purposeful. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. some people think if I'm not talking, <laughs> some people think if I'm not doing, if I'm not fixing, if I'm not destroying, if I'm not creating a drama, mm-hmm then I have, there's no purpose. And he was basically saying, there's tons of purpose to sitting still. Tons of purpose to knowing who you are and holding that for others. And he thoroughly enjoyed it. So then at this point, I checked in with my client and said, I'm at the end here. Like, this is where we're at, eh? And she goes, yeah. And I said, okay. I said, so he's telling me that you're writing, like purposefully? <laughs> and she goes, I am. And I said, oh, like you're writing, writing. Like you're going to do a book about this. Like you're going to make a story about his life. And she goes, that's why I'm here. I'm like, oh my goodness. And she goes, Karen, I just wanted to know everything from Jake's perspective. She says, I wanted to write things like, and I don't know if it's going to be an adult kind of book or if it's going to be a children's book mm -hmm. or how this is going to play out. If it's something that we just put on the internet as an ebook, or she says, I just don't know how this is going to fit, but I needed to hear all of the stories. I wanted to know all of Jake's life because we know pieces of his life. So I can affirm for you certain things that you've said because... These people went along and told each of the stories, so I know 
what you've said is accurate right from the beginning. I know his story because it did follow him along wherever he was brought. His story was told. And I'm like, well, that's really interesting too. Mm-hmm. So she said, as far as channeling him, you're doing great, but I, I like, I need more. And I went, okay. So I turned to Jake and I said, well, what, what did you want to tell her at this point? She's saying, I need more for this book. And so I wrote some of the things down, Kelly. So he said, one of the things, and that he said it all through this, is that purpose is in small and big things. And that many of us talk that way, but we don't value it, unless it's big. We can talk about it being small, but we think for somebody else, that's boring shit. And we all want to walk around saying, I'm the one that deserves what he referred to as the trophy, meaning the one that would get you the most attention or the most gratitude or the most praise. Money. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Jesus, how did I miss that one? Because <laughs> you're Jake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. I'm so, that's such a compliment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah, you call me Jake. <laughs> um, he said to le- that he learned to balance giving and receiving, and that there was so much giving in this lifetime, but that he got back so much in all of these different places. And that he felt fortunate that he did, and he wanted that portrayed in the book. He wanted her to write about the fact that the older lady gave him things, gave him love, gave him a bed, gave him attention, walked him. Like there was total companionship with her. Same thing as with the student. He gave her running. He gave her, pardon me, she gave him the ability to run, to play, to meet all these young people after having been with an older person. Just a whole other kind of life experience of purposes and joys, different foods, everything. He got to try so many things. And he goes, and by the way, food. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, I got all kinds of foods. He said, I didn't just get like just dog food everywhere I went. The older woman at the very beginning gave me her food. He, he, she gave me table scraps. I got human food, that kind. The meat and potatoes, the roast beef. <laughs> then when I was with the student, May, she tried Thai and Vietnamese, and then she went vegan. <laughs> and he said, played havoc with my belly for a while. <laughs> he said, so I ended up with some digestive issues because everything changed drastically, and then I had to go on medication. And he said, so I learned things about food. And he said, one of the things that I learned about food is that food is supposed to nourish you. It is supposed to give you the energy to live your life. It is not supposed to be eaten so that you are fatigued or sick. And he said, I learned that by living in all these different places. He said, at the Humane Society, the families gave me scraps. I got sick. I went to the veterinary clinic and they cleaned up my diet. I got straight dog food, straight dog treats. They brushed my teeth and they cared for me in the clinic. He said, as far in one aspect... The best place he was ever taken care of was in the last place. And he said, I am so grateful it was my last stop Mm. because they cleaned everything up for me. They helped me so that my dying wasn't painful. Isn't that, like, that's gold. Mm -hmm. That is gold to hear because I think as humans, we can think that if we're aging, and I've heard this, oh, she's got dementia, feed her anything she wants. 
oh, if she's dying, give her anything she wants. Not realizing that it causes pain in the nerves or pain in the muscles. Pain in digestion, pain in bowel movements, pain or in hemorrhoids. Exacerbating memory. Yeah. So like he said, it was a huge thing to be in the vet clinic at the end to be treated with total health. Mm-hmm. And he said, I, I learned there that food was one of the biggest issues that I had in all of the different places that I ended up being. Mm-hmm. That there wasn't consistency, but that none of them, even though they all loved me, none of them fed me healthily. They fed me, just not properly. I said, what else did you learn, Jake? And he goes, I learned that I was a hardworking dog. <laughs> and I also learned to rest. He said, I learned that in my first home where it was full of grief. He said, I learned with her that grieving requires that we sleep a lot and that we rest because we are physically fatigued and that we are emotionally fatigued. We are spiritually fatigued. We can be fatigued in every aspect of our life and that they hit us at all different times or all, maybe sometimes all at once. And it's overwhelming. And that there, I had time to lay down with her. I had time. He said, so fatigue and resting reminded me how important time was. Because sometimes we literally did nothing for three or four days. And it was just resting. And I thought, because I was a puppy, go, go, go. I want to go. I have energy. And she just didn't have the energy to do that for me. So I had to learn, even as a puppy, with energy, that it's okay to also be restful. And that if you have anxiety with it, meaning that, you know, you, I got to move, I got to go, I got to do things, that that's just anxiety. That's not real energy. Cool. Yeah, and he says, and I learned to be aware of when anxiety is misinterpreted as energy. What a teacher he is, eh, Kelly? I think it's fascinating that he's learning what energy does through all of this and that anxiety is another type of energy and that we have choices around it instead of thinking that we have to bolt or dash or run to the gym or do something. Because quite often we can think that if you have anxiety, do something Mm -hmm. versus sit still and rest. And maybe it will, pa- it will just pass in being present. Hmm. He said another important thing that he learned was about being playful and that he got to be playful in different ways with all of the different places that he had lived, that he had learned how to play with dogs later in life instead of earlier, that the idea of playful with an older person was different than with a younger person, but that there were still types of playfulness And that sometimes when a person ages and their idea of playfulness is still there, their playfulness could be to pet you or to go like this to you, like, you know, like to tickle you, but that there are just different types of it. And that if you see it for what it is, you can appreciate it Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, like being irritated or thinking, oh, stupid old person. And I, and I do, I think people think like that sometimes it's annoying. My grandmother does this. It's annoying. We get, we get annoyed by those things instead of realizing that's all they can do mm-hmm. or that is their their level of effort with age. 
and that we don't have tolerance for it. And, and he learned just to observe what it was for each person and be able to go, oh, that's how she's expressing this. Oh, okay, okay, I get it. She's doing, you know, ruffling up my fur because this is playful time. Whereas, you know, May would take him out for a run or throw the Frisbee. Mm. And that was her version. There were so many different versions, eh? Here's a good one, Kelly. He says that if you have no boundaries, it equals trouble. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he goes, I learned that everywhere, in every situation. He said, I would just watch where the boundaries were, no matter which home I was living in or what clinic or the Humane Society. He goes, and I had to figure out who knew boundaries and who didn't. Because anybody who had no boundaries, there was going to be a shit show. For everyone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And they would never see it that they were the ones instrumental in causing it. Mm-hmm. They were typically the ones that played the victim. And I would just sit there and watch it like a movie. Brilliant. Like, just brilliant, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That he, he becomes such an observer that he can see who's going to be the drama queen and then turn it around and play the victim role in it. Love that. Absolutely loved it. And I loved his mathematical equation. Mm-hmm. He said that he learned to ask himself the question, what do I value? Or what is a value here? And he said that's how he managed to go from home to home and not be depressed or have any behavioral issues as a dog. He said, I just looked at what was the value. So as soon as something was ending and I was going to another beginning, what do I value here? What's going to happen here? And, and what's the purpose here? So he particularly looked for those things instead of thinking he was a victim of anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, I am being moved. Oh, I have a different change coming. Um, this person died. I'm grieving. He said, I went through grieving for her. I grieved each of the changes. But he said, I still sat there while I was grieving and said, okay, uh, while I'm grieving, I have to kind of focus over here too and see what my purpose is going to be. I need to pay attention to things. Mm -hmm. And this brings me to his last message, Kelly. He said, Karen, he said, I learned that goodbyes are healthy. (laughs) Yep. And I said, really? He goes, well, yeah. He goes, and I, I learned that right from the first one. That was the hardest one. Do you think way back as a puppy that I wanted to leave her as a small dog, that I wanted her to die? I thought it was the end of the world. He says, I'm telling you all of this as I've aged, as I've died. And he says, but in the moment, I just, I wanted to die with her. And he said, but after the goodbye and I got placed with this young woman, he says, there was so much joy. There was so much to do. I had so many purposes to help her. And then all of the other students, he says, I just realized, oh, she died so that I could get on and do something else. And a whole bunch of other people needed me. Look at all these students. There's thousands of them. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was just overwhelmed, but so happily overwhelmed. And he said, so I learned that goodbyes are some of the best things that happen in a human life. And he says, and I'm done. <laughs> Buzzer. Yeah. And so I just turned to her and I said it that way. We both started laughing because it was so abrupt. Mm. (laughs) And I'm done. And she went, well, then, okay. So she wrote it all down for this purpose. And I'm, I'm, I'm delighted because I know you know this. 
that I have channeled, I think, five books Mm -hmm. for different clients over the last 12 years. And I mean, I really look forward to if she ever contacts me because the other authors have published their books and I have copies of them. They've sent them to me. But I mean, I would love to see what she does with that in all kinds of different forms. I don't know where she's headed and currently she doesn't know either. But maybe giving her all of that information has helped her decide that she's got so much information. It can't be just one book or just a children's book. Maybe it's going to be a series or I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe it helped her make some decisions in getting all of that. Very cool. And getting his perspective. Because I think from what I understood at the end when I said to her when she was writing, we were doing her receipt, I said to her, so how did this go for you? And she said, fantastic. Don't know what to do with it. But he's given me his personality. I thought I knew his personality from what I experienced with him at the clinic and when he was with my family. But now I have the personality from the bigger picture Mm -hmm. of how he saw going from home to home. And when we brought him into the clinic, now I get to go back to my staff and say how he saw us, Mm -hmm. that he came eagerly with purpose and that he wanted this as a purpose. And that he was used to this. We didn't, we didn't rip him from the Humane Society in a purpose because we struggled when we found out what he had done for them. We had a meeting saying, should we take him? Cool. Should we do this? They need him at the Humane Society. And we thought, no, we need him more. These dogs die here. These dogs and cats go through trauma here with surgeries. And that's a big thing to ask Jake to go through and well, help them with. And he also got taken home at night to families that could help recharge him. Yes. And that was something that he may or may not have had in the same capacity as the vet clinic. Yeah, and that's the thing that they that they talked about at the vet clinic, Kelly. They came back and said to the Humane Society, we will take him home every night. We will take him home on the weekends. He will be filled up. If he's going to work all day, nine to five or, you know, nine to six or whatever in the clinic, giving to the staff, giving to the clients, giving to the other pets, Mm -hmm. then when he leaves here, we will walk him and play with him, cuddle him, snuggle him. We will fill him up. Cool. And I, and I, I like that because then I also think that if people are hearing that and they have a husband that's a doctor or a wife that's a doctor or a nurse or a firefighter or a teacher, I don't know, anything, a crossing guard, I don't care. I don't care what the occupation is. But if you now look at somebody and go, man, they go to work all day and give, give, give. When they come home, they need to be replenished like Jake. What am I doing to replenish them? Or am I part of what just further drains them? Mm-hmm. So when they come in the door, do I whine? What's for dinner? Do like are my shirts clean? Like do I just take take take, or do I replenish them? Mm-hmm. Is the love that I have for them and my actions enough to fulfill them? Because if it isn't, I shouldn't be with them. Mm-hmm. They should be with somebody that that is going to help them fill that up. And I don't mean you're the only source. I don't mean codependence. I mean as your piece of it. Lovely. Mm-hmm. When you told me that this was going to be a podcast for the long weekend, going mm-hmm. into September, mm-hmm. made, that made me really happy that it's Jake's story. Mm-hmm. Just as we go into school, 
yeah. as we go into where a lot of families see this as a beginning, like a, a new year. Yeah, and back into your routine. Yeah. And and like new goal setting, like you said, a new year. Yeah. Yeah. And like the fact that you might be mom or dad or caretaker and you you work all summer, it's no big new year for you. But it kind of still is because all the routines change, right? Yeah, for the unit. Yeah. And and maybe it's a good pause to think, geez, if I'm like Jake, what does fill me each night? Or how do I view purpose? And I think it's mm-hmm. neat. Like you can go back to, I think, two weeks ago, we talked about a young man who had Down syndrome who deemed himself the CEO of the family Patrick. and taught everyone about process. And right. today, Jake is teaching about purpose. And if you're putting those two things together you're going to be valuing your family pretty well. You got you have the right perspective, you have the right focus in life. Mhm. Cool. Mhm. Thanks. When you talk, I like giving pauses so people can think because sometimes I know that I tell the story but that you bring out the point. Mm, thank you. And that when you hear the point, when you're listening to it because I listen to our shows on Saturdays, I find that I listen to you. I find that I'm that I can listen to the story, but I find I listen for your voice in the podcast. Thank you. Where you're, where you're bringing out what's really important, and where I want to hit the pause button, and I really do hit the pause button, and then I move into a different pose in yoga, or continue to chop my vegetables, or clean the bathroom, <laughs> or whatever I'm doing. But I listen for when you're speaking. So if people are noticing that I'm quiet when you talk in the podcast, whether it's through the video or the audio, it's, it's because I really think it's worth it. Thank you. I, you know, as you were talking and telling the story, there are many times in this show where I've thought, oh shit, you haven't said anything. It's been 30 minutes. People are going to think this is Karen's show. This is why she's busier than you. This is the crazy mm. that's going on. Mm. Um and then I just think, no, nah, whatever. I'm being a really good listener, and mm-hmm. I'll either ask a question or I'll make maybe one point in the whole show. But maybe, especially as now it's it's turned to video format, maybe people will just see what good listening looks like. Maybe mm-hmm. they will see in my face patience or see just silence to have space for you to not be interrupted um, or lose your train of thought. I, I think there's such such a dynamic um environment that happens between the two of us when when anything is being talked about and the same dynamic when both of us are silent Mm -hmm. cool Mm -hmm. thank you Mm -hmm. you're welcome okay so if listeners have questions or comments you can email us at info at buysarlo.com we are so fucking close to patreon please let us know if you would like to be patrons you can send us your first name your last name and your email address we will sign you up for the information list Um, stay with us because we will have lots more updates as that launches